Charlie Duncan had it. They turned it over. Alley oop back to Kevin. Oh, baby! Woo! KD! You can see it coming, and the building is electric off that slam dunk. Welcome in to the Believe in Timberwolves podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Hedke. As always, this podcast is a part of the Believe Podcast Network. On today's show, we have a couple things we want to talk about. First, I want to talk about the NBA draft lottery and how that all shook out. I have not touched on that. It has been a couple days since the lottery has happened. I've been busy, so I haven't been able to record, but I just want to give you my thoughts on that. Um, I also want to talk about Ben Simmons um, and what that situation all kind of looks like for the Timberwolves and then also the new assistant coaches that are uh, coming to the Timberwolves staff and then just a couple other small-ish details on the Timberwolves as a whole but that's what today's show is going to be about and the first thing I want to talk about is just a little bit about the NBA draft combine and I think this is really important to note um please don't overreact to who the Timberwolves are interviewing at the combine the Minnesota Timberwolves get a schedule, get scheduled time to interview players just like every other franchise. We do not have a pick. So if we are out there interviewing, you know, a top lottery type guy, um, it doesn't mean that the Wolves are going to be trading into the lottery or that they're even going to try to trade in the lottery. It might. They might be trying to do that. But just because they're interviewing those top prospects does not mean that. Um, so I think that's really important to remember that we just can't overreact to who they're looking to interview. It's it's all just a process, and that was all set up before the lottery. So don't you know worry about that. I'm not saying the Wolves wouldn't trade in, try to get a top pick, or maybe not a top pick, but try to get a first-round pick or even a second-round pick because we don't have a pick at all. But don't please just don't overreact about it. It's not that big a deal. Things like that happen all the time. You know, teams that don't have picks interview players all the time to see if they want to try and trade in. Um, But it doesn't mean that the Wolves are actively going to be trying to trade into this year's draft. I wouldn't be surprised if they do, but I wouldn't be surprised if they don't either. Um, I expect them to get some undrafted free agent guys, bring them in and see if they can make the team. But other than that, um, I don't know if there'll be rookies coming. There might be, but just don't overreact. Don't make a big deal out of it. Happens every single year. Um, but other than that, I want to get into talking about losing the pick, but first a quick word from our sponsor. The month of June is heating up with a ton of exciting sports action and bet online is where you can find it from basketball and hockey playoffs to baseball's marquee matchups, including prop bets and futures bet online has all the latest odds, news, and information for all your online sports betting needs. Visit the website today, or you can even use your mobile device to join and receive 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next tip-off, face-off, or pitch, head on over to BetOnline and start playing today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Alright, so as you all know, the Timberwolves did lose their 2021 draft pick. It did not fall top three. Um, If you didn't know that, you must have been living under a rock because uh, that was on Tuesday night during the draft lottery. And it ended up going 7, which means that Golden State gets to keep the pick. So they will have pick 14 and pick 7 in this year's draft. Now, I want to run through a list of pros and cons to losing the pick. Because I think it's important that um, 
we talk about you know what this means. Um, so let me go ahead and start with the cons. Uh, the cons obviously is there's no top tier player coming. Cade Cunningham will not be on his way to Minnesota. Evan Mobley won't. Suggs won't. Jalen Green, Jonathan Kuminga, none of those top five guys will be coming to the Minnesota Timberwolves, and barring any sort of massive trade. I mean, it would literally take a massive trade to get a pick to take one of those guys. So it's not going to happen. I really, really do not think that's going to happen. Um, so that is that's tough. You know, you're not going to get that you know potential like game-changing player in a top three pick that the Wolves were hopeful they would get. But at the end of the day, pretty much you knew it wasn't going to happen. The odds were not close to in your favor. So it didn't happen. Uh, The other con is you don't have the ability to trade that pick for a star player. You don't have the ability to sit down and say, oh, we got the third pick. You know, Philadelphia, do you want this for Ben Simmons or whoever it might be, you know, Washington, Bradley Beal, like what what do we have to add to this pick to take Bradley Beal away from you? So you're not going to get any of that. The Timberwolves will not be able to use that pick to trade. They already traded the pick. They got D'Angelo Russell with it, um, end up being seven. Don't worry about it. You can't trade it now. You can't select anybody. It's over with, but those are cons. That sucks. You know, you you wish that Cade Cunningham was coming to Minnesota or Evan Mobley or Jalen Green or Jalen Suggs, whoever, because... Adding talent to a young team that's trying to get better is like the best possible thing to do. So the Wolves won't be able to do that um, by selecting or by trading uh, the pick. But the pros to keeping or to losing the 2021 pick include that you get to keep your 2022 pick. Now, the Timberwolves are hoping to be better than they were this past season. So the the, the hope is the 2022 pick is a later lottery or not even in the lottery selection if you make the playoffs, right? So you're hoping for a pick somewhere between like, I don't know, probably 11 to like 16. You hope it's even later than that because that means you're, you're, you're high seed and you're making it um, into the playoffs and maybe have home court advantage. That's a really big stretch unless some huge moves are made, but I don't think it's a huge stretch to think that they might have a late lottery pick, or even a non-lottery pick this coming season. Um, So the 2022 pick probably won't be quite as good as the 2021 pick, but you still keep a pick. You were losing a first-round pick regardless. Um, So I think that's kind of a pro to it, that you still get to keep that pick. Um, The other thing about keeping the 2022 pick means after the 2021 NBA draft in July, the Minnesota Timberwolves are able to trade the 2022 pick, the 2024 pick, 2026 pick, um, and maybe even the 2028 pick, I think it goes seven years in the future. So you could trade 2022 and 2024, where if they kept the 2021 pick, they could trade down draft night. But other than that, they couldn't trade 2022 because Golden State would have it. They couldn't trade 2023 because you can't trade consecutive picks. So the soonest pick they would have been able to trade would be 2024. So, this year, you can trade now 2022 and 2024 if you're trying to aggregate those picks into a trade for a star player. So, I think that's another pro to it is you have draft picks that are sooner down the line that might entice a team to trade, whoever it may be, um, a Ben Simmons or even a lower lower tier star. Now, I don't know what type of trade that is or who you're trying to target, but you have that possibility now to trade 2022, 2024, 2026, and 2028 rather than the best ones you could trade would be 
2024, 2026, and 2028. So overall, I think that that is a, you know, a pro that people haven't really considered too much. Um, the next thing I wanted to talk about with, uh, you know, a positive of keeping uh, losing the pick is that I think it's more likely that Leandro Balmero comes over this season. I think that, and I've talked about this before with Kyle Tige on a previous episode, though, um, but Leandro Balmero, excuse me, Leandro Balmero is more likely to come over, I think, now because the Timberwolves didn't keep the draft pick, which means they don't have to spend the money on it, and that they have a roster spot for Leandro to come over. They probably would have one anyways, but um, I think that they're they're thinking, okay, we were losing 2021 or 2022. Whichever pick we didn't have will bring Leandro over that season to act as our draft pick. So I think those were tied together. I think if they kept the pick, Leandro probably doesn't come. And it's not a certainty that he comes this season, but Gerson Rosas has made it sound like he is probably going to come over this season. So I'm really excited about that, if that does happen. If you have not already, uh, Jake Painting uh, at CanisHoopas.com, one of my colleagues, wrote a, I believe it's like 6,000 words on uh, Leandro Balmero and his game. So go over to CanisHoopas.com and check out that film breakdown of Leandro Balmero. He goes through his strengths, his weaknesses, his swing skills, and everything in between. You do not want to miss that. It was a great piece. Shout out to Jake Painting. Um, but yeah, so I that, I think it's more likely that Leandro comes over this season um, now that we did not keep the draft pick. Uh, another pro is that there's no financial implications of adding a top three pick to this roster. If the Timberwolves were to keep their same roster and get a top three pick, they would be into the luxury tax, which um, I think is... Something they want to avoid again this season after being in it two years ago. Um, They stuck under it last season. And I think they want to try and stick under it this season as well. So then next season, potentially, they could get to it if they're building their way towards contention. So the top three pick is going to make somewhere around like eight to eleven million dollars, depending on the pick and and uh, how much they sign for. But. You don't have room to sign someone like that, so you'd be looking to trade somebody. You might be trading a Ricky Rubio, you might be trading Malik Beasley, or just you know dumping Culver and Wancho for nothing, or maybe even have to pay to dump those guys. So there's no financial implications of adding that top three pick. You're, if you add Balmero, his contract is very similar to Jaden McDaniel's, only like two or three million dollars. So it's not gonna put you over the luxury tax. You might have to do a little bit of work to sign some free agents. And whatnot, but it's not as big of a deal as you know bringing in a top three pick. Um, and I also think going back to the Balmero thing a little bit, I think Balmero would be for sure a lottery pick in this 2021 draft if he was in this draft instead of last year's draft. So if he does come over, I think that's a huge win. Um, I know the Timberwolves are going to sell it like, oh, this is our draft pick. You know, it's not a big deal. I mean, it is a big deal that we lost the pick, but um, it would be really nice to see Balmero come over. Um, the next one is that uh, there's no potential awkward fits. You know, if if you got to three and you're like, okay, we could get Jalen Suggs, have him at the point guard, but we already have D'Lo. Or we could get Jalen Green, but we already have Ant and they're similar. Um, there's no awkward f- potential for awkward fits there. You know, Kate Cunningham coming in and then you want to try and get Ant, D'Lo, Cade, and maybe someone else, you know, handling the ball. There's no awkward fits that way, so... I think that's a positive that hasn't really been discussed either. And then I think the biggest positive really is that um, 
it fell to seven instead of giving Golden State four. You would feel really bad if you gave Golden State the fourth pick and they could get one of Mobley, Suggs, or Jalen Green. Um, so I'm really happy that Minnesota gave them the seventh pick rather than a higher pick um, because that makes the trade look a little bit better too. And I'm going to be writing up a piece about the Andrew Wiggins trade and trying to put a cap on that um, sometime in the near future. But I think that was a positive as well. Okay, moving on from the the uh, pick talk, the NBA draft lottery talk, I want to talk about Ben Simmons. Now, a Ben Simmons trade is something that was floated last season when the Timberwolves had the number one uh, overall pick, and it's being floated again this season, not only in Minnesota, but in other places, because it seems that Ben Simmons is already one foot out the door, and it seems like his value is, you know, a little bit lower than it was last season. Now, I want to preface this put this out there I guess and say Ben Simmons is still a very good NBA player he has his flaws as many NBA players do um, he's underperformed in the playoffs a number of times but he is nowhere near um, worth just a bag of gym socks he is worth a lot more than that and um, I think that NBA Twitter um, Philadelphia fans are kind of underselling his value right now he's not completely worthless he has a lot of worth we're talking about a guy that is a you know all nba caliber player who's made the all nba team before he's an all defensive um team player from this season he finished second in the defensive player of the year voting um and he is a triple double um very capable triple double getter which depending how much you value that but it's still you know he he passes the ball well he rebounds the ball well, and he defends like crazy. So his value is just astronomically higher than than he's getting you know credit for on on the internet. So um, I think if you want to talk more about exactly what it might cost to get this pick, Dane Moore, um, his latest podcast episode talks about Ben Simmons and a potential trade, and uh, I think I'll just preface it. I would say go listen to Dane's to get the exact the exact answer that he got, but he had been texting, I think, with a couple of league executives, and they think, you know, two first-round picks is probably the value there, um, and then, you know, some players potentially, but the thing is, the players have to fit the system of what Philadelphia is wanting to do, because um, Philadelphia is not trying to, you know, bottom out and tank again. This is Joel Embiid's prime. He, he just finished second or third in rookie, or excuse me, in uh, MVP voting, and there's no way he wants to, you know, bottom out and rebuild. If that happens, you know, I think Joel's gone as well. So um, they're going to be trying to push for a championship again next season. So you have to give them players that are going to contribute, and who knows who they are. I think, you know, Ricky Rubio and Malik Beasley make some sense in Philly, but I think they would need more than that, and maybe they could take that trade and, you know, flip something with those picks and try and bring in somebody, but then maybe you just try to make it a three team deal. Um, it's really interesting to see how that all shakes out, but um, I don't think it's like over the top to think that Ben Simmons potentially could be a Minnesota Timberwolf next season, but I also don't think that it's like highly probable. I don't think that it's like a certainty, but I think that there's a small chance, like a realistic small chance that Ben Simmons is um, a Minnesota Timberwolf next year. When you look back at Gerson Rosas's history, and this is something Dane Moore talked about too, but 
you know, Rosas likes to go get depreciated assets that he believes still has value. He's also aggressive in trying to trade for stars. He did it with D'Angelo Russell. Um, we know he's been on the phone trying to get other top-tier players to come to Minnesota via trade. Um, so I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility at all. And Ben Simmons is a player that I think would fit really nicely in Minnesota. And I'll talk about that in a little bit. But talking about the trade thing, um, D'Angelo Russell is a potential trade, like a pl- tradable player that they could take on. Salaries would match up pretty pretty quickly. And then, um, you know, they need a point guard that can create some shots. And the Wolves need defense, so that's a logical trade partner. But I don't know if the Wolves are interested in getting rid of D'Angelo Russell. He played really well down the stretch, and I don't think he's the caliber of player that that Ben Simmons is, but he might be a better, you know, he might be a better playoff player potentially. We haven't really seen that. He's only been in the playoffs with Brooklyn, um, but when you talk about a player that can create their own shots, that is, you know, potentially a better um, player to have in the playoffs when you look at, like, Trey Young and Devin Booker and what they've been able to do. And D'Lo's not up to that caliber, but he is, you know, a scoring guard who can also create for others, create some space, and make tough shots. And that's the type of player you want in the playoffs. So I don't know if Minnesota would be willing to deal him for Ben Simmons. Um, I think if they could get a deal done with Malik Beasley and Ricky Rubio and two picks, I think they would jump on that 100%. But I don't know. We'll have to see what Simmons' actual value is. Who else might be interested? There's other teams that you know Ben Simmons would fit nicely um, with. You know, If you're talking about, I don't know the feasibility of any of these teams, but when you look at Denver, I think Denver would be a good fit for him. Um, next to Nikola Jokic, play some defense, you know, distribute the ball in the full court. I think that would be interesting. I don't know how you match up salaries for that. You're not; they're not going to give up Jamal Murray. Um, I think that Chicago is an interesting fit with Nikola Vucevic, who has a similar playing style to Carl Anthony Towns. Then you have Zach Levine, who is a point guard—not a point guard, but a lead guard that can uh, create in the half court, create his own shot. Um, doesn't rely on a point guard to find a shot for him. So I think that would be a really interesting thing, but I don't know what they give up either. So there's going to be teams that are interested. Teams are going to be calling, seeing if Ben Simmons, you know, if they can buy a low on him. We'll see who ends up giving a, getting him if he does, in fact, leave Philadelphia like everybody thinks he should and will. But um, it's really an inter- interesting conversation. I don't think that you can count the Timberwolves out of potentially being in that conversation at all. Um, we want to talk about the fit of the Wolves with Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons is, um, like I said, one of the best defenders in the league. I personally think he's the best perimeter defender in the league. And actually, I do think he is the best defender in the league just because of his versatility um, and how big he is being able to play the point of attack at 6'10". And not like, it's not a Jaden McDaniel 6'10", where he's super skinny and, uh, you know, a little bit undersized if he was to guard like big men. No, Ben Simmons is legitimately like 6'10", with a huge wingspan, and like bulked up. So I think that part's really interesting. Um, in Minnesota, I think the dream scenario would be if you could get him without giving up D'Angelo Russell you could and Jaden McDaniels, you could have an offensive, or a starting five of D'Angelo Russell at the one, Ant at the two, Jaden McDaniels at the three, uh, ben Simmons at the four and Carl Anthony Towns at the five. Now you might be wondering why would you want to bring in somebody to play the power forward position that doesn't, you know, necessarily just help you protect the rim. Now I get it. Wanting like a Miles Turner to protect the rim would be awesome, but for starters, we don't exactly know that Cat will continue to be a good perimeter defender. I think he's going to be able to hold his own, but we don't know if that's his best position. What I think we do know is that. 
point of attack defenders will help Carl Anthony Towns be able to play defense in a way that um, is beneficial for the team. Um, he's not going to get, you know, if put it this way, if the Timberwolves have defensive players that don't let their man blow by them every time down the court, Carl Anthony Towns is going to be a much better position defensively as a rim protector, which is going to open, you know, a ton of doors for him defensively, not having to worry about, you know, retreating back defensively and like a pick and roll coverage and things like that. So I think that's really important. So if you think that you can start with that lineup where you have Ben Simmons and, um, excuse me, Ben Simmons and Jaden McDaniels as your point of attack defenders, they take the two best, you know, wing guard players in the, on the team. And then you have D'Angelo Russell and Anthony Edwards playing passing lanes and a little bit hidden on maybe the, you know, the third and fourth, guard slash wing options on the opposing team and they can they're not great defenders and has a ways to go but he is still you know just going into his second season coming up here and D'Angelo Russell uh, when his team is playing well he actually starts playing closer to average defense so I think that's something he lacks a lot athletically but if he can get in passing lanes and stay in front of people that is um, a really big thing as well so and if you can hide him on the third or fourth guy you know I think you're sitting pretty good um and outside of that, offensively, Ben Simmons has basically been the, I would say, the third option, potentially the second option for that Philadelphia team. He's been the second best player. Tobias Harris, probably third best player. But obviously, Toby adds a little bit of offensive um, value that Simmons might not add. But when you, if you think about Ben Simmons in Minnesota, I think the fit makes a ton more sense than it does in Philadelphia. Carl um, Anthony Towns isn't quite the caliber of player that Joel Embiid is, but he does possess a lot of skills that would be beneficial for Ben Simmons. Um, Joel Embiid shoots threes kind of because he has to, and he only shoots a few a game. Uh, Cat's a much better shooter than Embiid, and he shoots more a game, seven or eight per game, shooting nearly 40%. Um, you know, we're talking about the best shooting big man of all time. I feel very confident saying that. Um, so I think that really bodes well for him. Then you look at... Jaden McDaniels playing the three is a, you know, a solid outside shooter. I won't say he's a knockdown shooter, um, but he does, you know, he does knock down shots pretty, pretty consistently. And I think he's going to be better next season than he was this past season. Anthony Edwards is like a go-to scorer in this league. Potentially could average like, if he ever went out and averaged twenty-five points a game next year, I would not be surprised at all. And then, uh, and he does space the floor as well too. He's not a great shooter, but over the course of the last half of the year, he shot much better. I think like 35% from three on like eight attempts a game. So those are like numbers that like Devin Booker puts up, you know, maybe not quite as good, but he was a rookie. So whatever. And he's going to be a hell of an isolation player. And then you look at D'Angelo Russell, who is also, you know, near 40% shooter on high volume and can play off the ball a little bit. But Ben Simmons would more or less be your transition you know lead guard but then when you get into the half court he's playing more of a dunker spot role with a very spaced out offense an offense that is much more spaced out than um uh, excuse me philadelphia's offense so i think that's where the fit really comes in you might not agree with that but i think he's like a perfect fit obviously you wish he could shoot um but i think when you take away some of the offensive responsibility coming to minnesota which is crazy to think but like minnesota has a better offense set up for ben simmons for all the reasons i just detailed um, I know Philly was the number one team in the league um, or in the Eastern Conference record wise, but Minnesota really has an offense that I think suits him really well if you can keep D'Angelo Russell. So 
I'm really excited for the possibility of that. I'm not, you know, at the end of the day, he's probably not going to end up in Minnesota, but don't count us out. I think that it's possible that he does. Um, but I just wanted to go through that and kind of put that out there. But other than that, um, there's there's just one last thing actually I wanted to touch about, and that is the assistant coaches. That was actually announced just an hour or so ago before I recorded, so I want to add that in to the end of today's episode. Um, and that is that the Minnesota Timberwolves announced their quote-unquote front um, bench guys, so they'll be, you know, sitting next to um, Chris Finch. It's the roles that, you know, Pablo Prigioni, um, David Vanterpool, and Brian Gates had last season. And I'll just go through those names and talk a little bit about who they are as coaches, where they've coached in the past, and what that could mean for the Timberwolves. Uh, the first one is actually Pablo Prigioni. Um, he is sticking around to coach with Chris Finch. Um, he is the offensive coordinator for the Timberwolves the last two seasons under Ryan Saunders. He's going to remain on the front of the bench next to Coach Finch as well. Um, I think he's a very gifted offensive mind as a coach, and I think that he did some really nice things while he's here, and he's coming back. So I'm really excited about that. Uh, the next coach is Joseph Blair. So Joseph Blair spent a number of seasons playing basketball after he got drafted by the Bulls, but he never signed with the team. Uh, he mostly played in Europe overseas, but he also spent one season playing for the Harlem Globetrotters. And then he became an assistant coach for the Rio Grande Valley Vipers of the NBA, at the time the NBA D League, but now the NBA G League, which is, uh, that's Houston's. Um, if you aren't familiar, that is Houston's G League team. Uh, that Gerson Rosas and Chris Finch also have affiliation to. And I'm sure that is where the connection has been made. But he was a citizen coach in Rio, Van- Rio Grande Valley um, from 2015 to 2018, where they made it to the finals in 2017 but lost. After that, he took over for Matt Brace um, in the 2018-19 season, and he ended up winning the G League championship for the Vipers. Um he then spent the 2019-2020 season with the Philadelphia 76ers as an assistant. That is the season that Ben Simmons won or got on all defense and all NBA. Um, but then he came to Minnesota as an assistant prior to last season. Um, so this move, this right now is basically promoting Blair from a front of the or to a front of the bench role, similar to what Brian Gates' role was from last season. So I think Blair is a little bit more defensive minded. Then the other coaches on the roster or on the coaching staff, but um, I think that Chris Finch is more or less going to run offense and defense, and it'll come down to who just is you know helping out in certain ways, but whatever. But I think it's going to be a system that you know is developed by Chris Finch on both sides of the ball. But Blair, yes, Blair was with the Timberwolves last season, but he was not in a front front of the bench role like he will be this coming season. So basically, he just got a promotion, and he's worked with. Um, you know, good good teams before in Philadelphia and obviously in the G League. So that's where the connection comes in. And the third and final coach is Micah Nori. Um, this will be Nori's fifth NBA assistant coaching gig. He spent four seasons with Toronto from 2019 to 20 or 2009 to 2013. Um, then he spent the next two seasons in Sacramento coaching. Um, I believe for at least one of those seasons, DeMarcus Cousins was there. And then he I think both of those seasons, actually. Then he followed that with three seasons in Denver, working with Nikola Jokic under... um, He worked under Mike Malone. And actually, uh, Chris Finch spent time in Denver, I believe, at the same time. And then these past three seasons, Mike Inouye has been um, in Detroit. So 
He's another offensive-minded coach. I think the Timberwolves are going to go pretty all-in on offense this season unless they can you know, get a Ben Simmons or another. They're not going to punt on defense, but they're not going to sacrifice offense for the sake of defense, at least not too much. Um, but Mike Inori is another coach that I think is you know, a good person to bring in and kind of help this Timberwolves team um, on that side of the ball. So I'm excited about that. Um, so those are the three top assistants. I don't think they're going to have the offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, um, associate head coach type. They might have an associate head coach. I don't know who that'll be, but I don't know if those guys are going to be considered like offensive and defensive coordinators. But we'll have to see what the titles shake out after or once the season is, you know, coming closer. But for now, um, I think that's it for today's episode. We talked about pros and cons of keeping the pick, or excuse me, losing the pick. We talked about Ben Simmons assistant coaches um if you guys have any questions for me ever please go ahead and tweet them at me at b underscore h-e-d-t-k-e-n-b-a on twitter i'm always happy to interact and answer questions that way it was good to meet some of you at um the forgotten star brewery on tuesday night for the draft lottery um hopefully we can do more in-person things like that in the future but other than that uh thank you so much for listening this has been the believe in timberwolves podcast presented by bet online Thank you for listening, and I will be back next week. Peace out.